listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, great to be with you again this week as we connect as the church uh, across Melbourne and beyond. It's been great hearing feedback from people who are digging into the sermons in ways which normally we wouldn't before the pandemic. As people in their huddles work through the questions that you can find on our website. And if you don't know about that resource, really encourage you to head to our website and find out more. There's questions there which enable you to, as an individual or in a group, dig deeper into the teaching that we are getting our teeth into. I'm Mark. If this is the first time you're logging on and checking out Red Church online, and we are in the midst of a series called The New Normal, which is a much used term at this point in time uh, to describe the new COVID normal. The fact that we've moved from an old phase into a sort of in-between phase and so many people are asking, what does it look like uh, when the pandemic is over? And I guess the way we've reframed this as a church is to not just ask what's the new normal after COVID, but what is the new normal that God wants us to live out of? There's something bigger happening in the world, in our individual lives as a church than simply just transitioning through a global pandemic. God is calling his people to be his people in the world at this time. So in this series, we've been looking at three key sort of values, statements that we see as being a North Star in complex times. Uh, there are simple truths which help us cut through all of the chaos and complexity. So we're looking at abide, that we as a church, as followers of Jesus, are called to abide, to be with him, to be connected to the vine, as John 15 tells us, to be close to Jesus, recognizing him as the source of life. We're also called to step into a posture of renewal. And we looked at that over the last couple of weeks. The fact that when we follow Jesus, we can't help but be changed into his likeness. And a healthy Christian is someone who is growing. But this week, we want to look at the third element, going or go. That we abide with Jesus, we're renewed by Jesus, but we also go with Jesus into the world. Jesus has a mission in the world. His reign is actually breaking out across the world in the kingdom of God. He is drawing people to him. So that's what we're going to look at this week. We're going to look at the subject of what it is to go with Jesus. Now, what I find, there's an element when we talk about abide, lots of people resonate with abide, that sense of wanting to be closer to Jesus, to understand his love, to be in his presence. There's something in us which desperately hungers for that. We also can see at a moment like this of, of pressure on us, particularly in Melbourne, when we've been through you know, one of the longest lockdowns in the world. We're heavily restricted at the moment. We're learning our human limitations. And in that, there's this invitation that in the midst of crisis, God pushes us into renewal. There's also an element that we know it's painful, but also there's part of us which wants to change and become more like Jesus. However, when we get to the go, there almost can be a stepping back, a hesitation. And I just want to pull that apart a little bit today and actually look at well, what is a biblical way of understanding our role and our mission in the world. We're going to look at this over two weeks. But what I want to particularly look at today is how do we share the good news of Jesus? 
Now, as soon as we say that, I think there's sort of like a mental map that comes into our minds, particularly in a place like Melbourne. Where ways where we look and understand our culture can be shaped by, I think, something which is from a past era. In many ways, and you'll see this in this illustration that we have drawn up for you, is we understand the church. We understand the church is distinctive. It has a distinctive message to the rest of the culture. And I think in Australia, we realized before other Western cultures that the whole of Australian culture wasn't warm to religion. If you read Australian history books, even ones written decades and decades ago, half century ago, there is this language that it's argued that Australians have a resistance to religion. Now, I think that story is not entirely true because there's been points where the church has grown and moved through renewals and revivals in Australia. Our nation has been shaped by the Christian story. But the way that we understand our place in the bigger scheme of things, whether it's in Australia or even other Western countries, is that here we are, here is the church, and then outside of us is the culture. And the thing that we've learned to be in a Western culture, to be in a post-Christian culture, to be in a secular culture, all these terms we use to describe our cultural reality is that they think of the message of Jesus in a very different way than we do. They are resistant to religion. They are rejecting of Christianity. And so we can have this imagery, and again, it's caught in this, in this illustration where it's like we're down here and then there's this vast monolithic culture. And so when we talk about sharing the gospel, we sort of imagine ourselves sort of leaving our little encampments as Christians and then going and sharing with this giant force, which is posited against Christianity. If you think of the most sort of virulent atheistic voices that we see in the media or we see on social media, we imagine that's the voice of this big swathe of the majority. But actually think we're living through a profound shift. After World War II, in a lot of Western countries, there was the growth of mass culture, where all of a sudden, so many people watching the same movies, wearing the same clothes, their lives became more and more like each other. And we began to think of culture as sort of one big block. But we're living through this incredible moment where culture is being turned on its head. We realize that no longer is it us, the church, and then this big swathe of the culture. The reality of 21st century life in Australia is actually a multicultural reality. That if you look at the city of Melbourne, it's around 40% of people are born overseas that you have people who are not necessarily even born overseas, but their parents are. Melbourne is incredibly multicultural. It also is a place of so many different beliefs. So you think about all those different multicultures of ethnic backgrounds. You think of all the different language groups that people have grown up with. Then you think of, on top of that, all the different distinct religious groups and different worldviews that people come from. And what's happening is we live in a multicultural society that's been shaped by globalization as people are migrating and moving around the world. And we're also living at a time where the internet is radically changing how we interact with other people, where new identities, new thoughts are moving at this incredible pace. And so the society that we're in is not here's the church and then here's the culture. The church is in the midst of all these different cultures, different people. And those different people and different cultures 
have a wide variety of reactions to the Christian faith. Sometimes when we have that old paradigm, we can see ourselves as here we are and we believe some things that the culture no longer believes and that they've moved on and they have some sort of scientific rationalist worldview or they see us as too socially conservative. When the reality of 21st century multicultural diverse Australia, you don't know where people are. If you randomly picked someone off the street in Melbourne, they could come from a religion which actually sees us as not conservative enough in terms of how we dress or how we view the world. We might pick someone off the street who believes in certain things that actually seem more fantastical than what we believe. You could pick someone who could be an atheist. You could pick someone who's a lapsed Mormon. You could pick someone who is a practicing Jew, someone who grew up with the Islamic faith but is questioning it. There is this whole variety of different things that people believe in our culture at the moment. We have to shift away from this thinking that here we are and then here is this big culture out there that thinks something very different to us. Are there people out there with strong anti-feelings towards the church, absolutely in Australia. But there's more people with a warmth and an openness to the Christian message than we realize. And what's happened is one of the opportunities that has been brought by this pandemic is that you have 25 million people in Australia who all of a sudden have had some of those things which insulate Australians from thinking about the big issues of life. The fact that Australia will always be this place where you can just go and do what you want to do when you want to do it. When Australians could just get on planes and travel around the world. When in Melbourne, you can actually even see your friends and loved ones. There is a profound existential search going on in the lives of so many people at this time. Churches across our city having people tune in to online services who have never looked at a church before. But in this season, as they've stopped, people's lives are up in the air, their employment, their health, so many different things, their social connections, their ability to just live the classic Australian life of freedom and the beach and barbecues and living the good life that we take for granted so often, that has been put on pause And that has not just happened to a couple of people. That's happened to 25 million people. And in our city, which often is described as one of the more post-Christian cities in Australia, that has happened at an even more intense rate. And so for you, if you've come to RED for some time, you were part of RED when we're physically meeting, I want to share with you that there are people joining, and I welcome you if this is you who have never been to church before, who are watching even just in the last few weeks and joining us because they're searching for something bigger. And the story that was told to them no longer makes sense. George Hunter, the the Methodist theologian, once said, when you're sharing the good news of Jesus with people, look for the gap between idols. When everything that people believed in all of a sudden is brought into question and they haven't actually moved on to a new kind of belief. The stories are unraveling and the message and promises and expectations that we were given are starting to fall apart. That's a moment where there is an opening to share the good news with people. We, I think, are living through one of the greatest evangelistic openings I think we've ever lived through in our lives as Australians. And so we need to be aware of this. 
And this is something that we need to recognize at this moment. It's really tempting when we feel limited and we're not seeing and conversing with people in the way that we normally would because of lockdown to not forget that at this moment, there is this profound openness in Australians. Is it everyone? No. Are there people doing what they did before? Just watching Google box or Google box or whatever that thing is, watching people watch TV and shutting out and not thinking about these big issues. Yeah, there seems to be people doing that. But there is also a bunch of people who for the first time in their lives are asking questions, who in Australia don't always have safe places to go and take those deeper spiritual questions to. And they're looking at the church at this moment. So there's a profound search for meaning happening in the midst of this time. And I believe we need to recognize it. So to look at this, I want to look at a verse that we find in the book of Acts in chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus is talking to the disciples before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And he says to them this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is a surprising moment. The disciples have gone through a bunch of absolute plot twists at this point. They have seen where they thought things were going. Where they thought things were going is that many of them seem to interpret that Jesus would come as some sort of messianic king, kick out the Romans, take the throne and lead them into a new era of political flourishing where no longer were the Jews ruled by foreign rulers. Then Jesus dies. This is a shock. This seems to contradict everything that they thought about the Messiah, the sent one, the king, the God's holy king that was going to reign. So that's a shock. He dies and they just completely scarper. They disappear. But then on the third day, Jesus rises and begins to appear amongst them. That's another plot twist. And at that moment, it just must have been this incredible exhilaration as Jesus has conquered death. He's now with them. He seems unbeatable. He can appear in rooms without walking through doors. He still has a body. This is the transcendent risen Jesus. What must have their speculating minds been trying to grasp of where things go from here? Imagine having that person, the resurrected Jesus, who is now going to be your leader and leading you forward in the ways that he was leading them forward during his years of ministry. But then he tells them he has to go. And in a sense, he hands across the baton to them of leading this mission of God on earth. He's ascending to the right hand of the Father, where Scripture says he will pour out God's Spirit on the church. And this is where the age of the church begins. So this is now they've been called to come and abide with the Father, but this is not just a sitting and abiding for the rest of eternity. There's a posture of abiding. But there's also a going. There's an activeness at this point. And so he says, you will receive power. Note that. You have to wait for the power from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses. So often when we talk about sharing the gospel, we use this term, witnessing. Where to? They're in Jerusalem. But this is like a rock that's been thrown in a pool, which is now going out. That this is a message which goes beyond. It goes to the people you're in relationship with in Jerusalem, God's capital. 
And there was this belief that what would happen was everyone would come to Jerusalem and all those who didn't believe in God, the Gentiles would come to Jerusalem and see that, 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 that God was the God of all gods and that he was the one true God and that people would be freed by that. And we see that at Pentecost when you have Jews from all over the world coming to Jerusalem. But then we see it going out into the region. So you see Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, every people group. So we're caught up here in the reality that when we follow Jesus, we have signed on to his mission to share this good news of the resurrected Jesus to everyone. More than just the people in our neighborhood, there are people who are called to go to other countries, other cities, other ends of the earth to share this good news. But when we talk like this, when we have that paradigm that I began with, that there is this whole culture against Christianity and we're seen as these strange ones. Even when we then transition and understand the new paradigm that we're amongst all these different subcultures, different groups who believe different things, we still can have this barrier or this impediment to sharing our faith because we think of sharing the good news as simply some kind of information exchange. That I need to go out and I need to explain to people this bit of information and there's this tension because how do I get them to believe this thing that I actually believe? But if you think about that word witnesses, it actually captures something far more grander, something far more wider than simply the exchange of, awkward exchange of information. Now, what I would like to do is help you understand this, is to refer to something that I spoke about last week, of what it is to be a human being. I talked about the ways that Scripture talks about different parts of us being human, the fact that we have a body which we feel and how we walk and we operate and we eat and we exist in the world through a body. We also have this division between soul and spirit. Our soul is our personality, it's our will, it's our desire, it's our thoughts, it's our emotions, it's our idea, our ideas. We also have this spirit, this part of us which communes with God, which was deadened when in the garden Adam and Eve sinned and we were broken off relationship with God. And that part of us, the spirit which communed with God's spirit, that was broken. And so we talked about last week how often our soul and spirit becomes mixed up then. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God divides soul and spirit. And part of being a follower of Jesus is understanding that there's a right order, that God created the spirit for us to actually communicate with him and dwell with him. He also gave us a soul, which then was like the translation point where God's spirit dwelling with us, communing with us, communicating with us was then translated into thoughts and desires where our thoughts and desires replicate God's thoughts and desires and then is enacted in the world through our body. Too often it's actually our soul which is leading where we're trying to live a life, even do Christian things through our own strength, our own independence. That's the essence of what being religious is. And so what following Jesus does 
when we learn to follow him with all of our lives, we actually learn to again commune with him, to be dependent upon him, to put our feelings, our thoughts, our desire for independence, all of that at the foot of Jesus so that he's leading us and we humbly go at his direction. Now, part of the problem, I believe, is that when we talk about sharing the good news of Jesus, we can see this as us in our soul, through our human effort, having to go to someone else who has a soul who is cut off from Jesus' spirit and always like trying to convince their soul of why they should follow Jesus. And we become nervous. We become awkward. We see this as an impossible task. How do I convince someone today in 21st century Melbourne of my Christian belief? I believe that partially sometimes our reaction against evangelism is actually coming from we're starting at the wrong point, starting at the wrong point. We see it as a wrestle where through our soul, we're trying to wrestle their soul into believing the Christian faith. We're doing a religious attempt at converting them. I want to read another verse. And this is a verse which speaks of this concept of what it is to be a witness. Peter, Jesus' sort of key disciple in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses, witnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from, the he- came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is a very different way to understand what it is to be a witness. What Peter is saying here is what the evangelistic good news message of Christianity is, is not just some sort of intellectual argument. It's not just an exchange of information. It's not trying to convince someone to change their mind. What this is, is this is a witness, someone who has experienced and seen Jesus at that moment in that that part of the Gospels, which we call the transfiguration, where, where they go to the top of the mountain with Jesus, away from all the different voices that are found in the valley. And on the top of that mountain, which represents the presence of God, that place in the temple where heaven and earth overlap, in that place, Peter and the other disciples see Jesus as he really is in all of his glory. They see Jesus communing with God. They get this insight to the dwelling together that the Trinity have, Jesus, God, and the Spirit. And it's actually out of that place and that space, which then their understanding and their confidence in Jesus comes from, 
He's saying, we didn't make this up. This is actually something which happened to us. So when they communicate that, they're not just communicating an idea or an intellectual argument. It has contours of an idea and an intellectual argument. What they're realizing is that there is a spiritual dynamic occurring when we actually communicate the good news of Jesus to others. So we need to move away from the concept of just seeing evangelism as trying to go from our soul in our effort, in our steam to convince someone else through an act of will to actually become a Christian. We need to realize that Jesus is a missionary God going into the world, drawing people to him and that he loves the world. He gave his soul for the world and that Jesus is whispering and alluring people to him at all times. That at this moment, there is someone somewhere in the world who is out in nature somewhere and they're looking at this incredible view and there's something in their hearts, eternity in their hearts, where they look at this and go, there must be someone behind this creation. There is someone in the world at this moment who the stories that they've been told are falling down And they sat there for the first time coming to this realization that maybe there is something more. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit is whispering to them. People who have come to read and come to faith in Jesus tell stories of how at work someone mentioned Jesus. And then a few weeks later, a relative mentions Jesus and all these different little things that happen that often we don't see because we're just parts of a jigsaw puzzle. But for them, this is this part of Jesus alluring and drawing them to themselves. Jesus is out, active in the world, drawing people to him right now. I remember a number of years ago, I was in a conversation with a group of people who weren't Christians and there was one person and he was just dominating and being loud and being obnoxious and I remember I just was repelled and I remember sitting there and to be honest, I was actually judging. I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, I would not have thought for a second because I was thinking from that soulish place of my own dependency on myself that I could ever communicate the gospel to this person. I honestly just was like checked out. I was just like, okay, I'll just wait for this to be over. Everyone on the table left except me and this person. And then very quietly, it was like they completely changed. And they just said, I've been going through a few things lately. I'd love to talk to you about your faith because I'm just wondering if there's a God. I'm wondering who Jesus is. And I remember almost falling off my chair because I was looking at this situation and judging it from the external, not realizing that really what that person was doing is they had a caricature that they're putting out to the world, which is a protective, you know, armor. But behind that was actually someone hurting who the Holy Spirit was actually whispering to. And that person eventually became a Christian. There are people right now, you may be one of them watching at this point in time who Jesus has been drawing to him. We currently have the Alpha Course going on. And there's a sense that there are people all across the world now doing the Alpha Course, which is a course which enables you to find out more about Christianity. There is a huge opening at this point in time. And I believe in the midst of this pandemic, the Holy Spirit is out there drawing people to him. So we don't have to do it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit is drawing people to him. When we commune with the Holy Spirit and rely not on our own independence, then we can evangelize, but it's totally different. 
We then are partnering with God as he draws people to him. This is like doing evangelism from the top of the mountain where it's clear, where actually Jesus' glory, his majesty, draws people to him. So we need to do evangelism from that spirit's place to actually do it from the power of God. So three things I just wanted to give you to reframe this for you. Number one, look for the God-shaped holes. Humans are created. Our spirit is created to commune with God. That was deadened by sin. And humans, when that part of us is not filled, we look to fill it in other places. We try and fill it from our soul. People end up connecting to spiritual dynamics, which are actually really unhealthy and unbroken and actually not of God's heart. There is this great human effort in the world, whether it's looking for God in human achievement, in our jobs, in addictive substances, in romantic love, in politics, where we're trying to find from these things only what God can give us. And at the moment, there are so many holes that have actually been exposed by this pandemic because the paltry things that we fill those holes with have actually been their bluff has been called by the pandemic. Is that everyone? No. But is it more people than you realize? Yes. There may be people at this point in time who you would never would think would be open to the gospel. Maybe you've not even spoken to them hardly in the last six months. At this point, when they're in their homes, not able to do what they normally do, looking forward with how much disruption does the future have for us, looking at a world which all of a sudden doesn't seem like it's just going to continue on in the same stable way. After a year of bushfires and pandemic in this country, realize like, hang on, we haven't conquered nature. Who are asking questions, who the Holy Spirit is drawing to them. Look around you for the God-shaped holes, for the gap between idols. There is more holes out there than you realize. The second thing to realize is it is impossible for you not to share the gospel. It's just which gospel are you sharing? As humans, we have that spirit which communes with God. We have that soul, the seed of our ego, our desires, our personality. We have a body in which we're in the world. Humans are continually living by a story. The good news is a story. It's the story of God and his love for humanity, who loved humanity so much he gave his only son on the cross. So there's no neutral point where you're not sharing a gospel. A gospel is a good news story, which you believe is the answer for the world. There is the get a job, make lots of money and have a comfortable life gospel. There is political gospels. There is the Australian have a good time, bit of fortune, bit of luck. That's how you live life. Don't get too excited about anything gospel. There are so many gospels in the world at the moment. Which one are you living? It is impossible for us not to give off a story. The only way to not give off a story or a gospel is actually just to not do anything. And even in a sense, that's a gospel in of itself. So part of what happens is when we connect our spirits to God's spirit, when we are in our right order, 
we begin to emanate something, the Spirit of God. When we put aside our ego, when we put aside our feelings, when we put aside our ideas and we become more aligned with God, don't mistake that people see something different in you. And in a world of fake news and too much information, which is only going to get crazier as technology gets more subtle and there's deep fakes and just wait to see what this all looks like in five years. The thing that cuts through a holy people on fire with the Holy Spirit, which cuts through this information flood and people see something and go, I want that. And what they want is not us. What they want is the Holy Spirit who is living through our life because our life has become an open vessel, malleable clay in the potter's hands. You are a city on a hill, a light in a storm. You're a magnet which people are drawn to. You're going to live a gospel whether you like it or not. And as we follow Jesus more, as we abide and we're renewed, we must go. Because if we're not going, we're not really being abide, abiding and we're not really being renewed. So as we align ourselves with God, we become magnetic. And so we must then, my last point, is switch the power source. We have been thinking about evangelism under our own steam. We need to switch the power source to pray. A few years ago, when Red first started, I said one day, let's pray for opportunities this week to share our faith. Now, to be 100% honest, and sometimes pastors do this, you've got a sermon to give and you give it. And there's a part of you which forgets that actually you have to practice what you preach. So I said to everyone, pray that God will give you gospel opportunities to share your faith this week. I was somewhere and I'd almost forgotten about it. So I prayed, I thought I better do this. I prayed and then I forgot about it. And it was a couple of days later and I was visiting someone from church's work and I walked into the office and I was introduced to this person's co-worker and the co-worker said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And they said, tell me all about Jesus. And I was like, what? This is almost too easy. And I realized that so much of what I am doing is I'm relying on my own strength. We need to pray that God will show us who are the people who he is drawing to him. We need to pray for the people around us, realizing that we can't do this in our own strength. But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, wait. They did not go out as soon as Jesus was raised. But he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you go. Well, the age that we live in is that the Holy Spirit has been released. And the Holy Spirit is drawing people to him. In the Alpha Course, they have the Holy Spirit weekend, where the key moment is when actually people pray for the Holy Spirit to come on themselves. And that's the moment where this goes beyond just an intellectual exchange. The intellectual elements are still important. Believing the right things is still important. But ultimately, this is the Holy Spirit's work. And then doing evangelism is almost riding in the wake of the power of the Holy Spirit. Where is he at work? How do I follow him behind that? Father, show me who you want to have a conversation with today. Show me who you want me to show kindness to. Show me who you actually want me to just follow up again, even when I think there's been a closed door there. Father, where do you want to send me, even in the world? That people group who you may have put on my heart, that news story of that strange country, which no one thinks about, yet I always think about, and I'm reading history books about it, that maybe I'm being called to. We as the church are the church when we go. The Christian church is never static. It's always moving. 
And we live at a moment where the world is going through a transition. Australia is going through a transition. Melbourne is in the biggest shakeup I think most of us have ever experienced in our lives. This is an incredible evangelistic opportunity. Let's as a church be open to it, but let's do this through the power of the Spirit. Let me pray. God, what a moment. I just want to confess that in moments like this, how I can become distracted by the mechanics of the pandemic, the details of lockdown, the ways in which my life is restricted, the things we can't do as a church that we could do before and forget that in the midst of this, you turn bad to good, that you're drawing people to you, that so many people are asking questions at this point in time. Father, I think of the State Library ad that's on the, on the radio at the moment where it's like, helping people find meaning through reading books in bibliotherapy. And I hear that and I just, I, I, I want to confess that these moments when literally people in my city are re- listening to a state library podcast of someone reading a book because they're actually hungry for meaning and they're hurting. I want to confess for the times I've forgotten that in the midst of all of this. And realize that there are actually people out there, people watching now who are hungry, whose lives are devoid of meaning, who are hurting, who are looking for you, Jesus, even if they don't even realize it yet. I want to confess to you when I've thought about and we've thought about evangelism as some awkward thing which we've got to do in our own strength and be incredible intellectual arguers in our own power to beat people in arguments to try and present a Christian faith that makes us look like a cool Melbourneian whilst also being a Christian. And Jesus, renew us. Help us to see the opportunities out there, to see the people who we need to have conversations with, we need to pray for, we need to sit with, we need to show your love in front of, and may opportunities come up where we can share, be witnesses. So we want to put down wherever we've tried to do this in our own strength. And Father, I just want to pray for anyone now who's who's one of those seekers who is watching this, who's felt an emptiness, a, a longing in their hearts. Father, introduce yourself to them. Show them what your son did on the cross. May your Holy Spirit fill them. Change their life now, Jesus. Invade every part of them. And I think, Father, of every person we're connected to, friends, family, workers, neighbours, I think of the people we're not connected to on the other side of the world, who you've called some people as part of our church to reach other parts of the country, other cities, wherever it may be, Father. May you go ahead and build spiritual roads, connection points. Show us how we can serve going behind you in your strength. Give us a heart for the world which you gave your only son for. Help us be a church who at this moment goes and shares the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray in your name. 
Amen.